We're in a series of messages right now called Great Expectations. And it's a common theme because of the book that was written a gazillion years ago by Charles Dickens of the same name about a, a guy named Pip, a boy named Pip, and it follows his education and journey throughout life. And in that book, it deals with a lot of different aspects of life. You see wealth, you see poverty, you see love, you see rejection, you also see good, and you see evil. And it's a good illustration or example about life in general because life is full of all that stuff, is it not? My name ain't Pip, who is the main character, it's Tim, but I deal with the same thing and you deal with the same thing that he dealt with. There is wealth and there is poverty in this world. Do we not see it everywhere? There is love and there is rejection all over the place. There is good and there is plenty of evil that is all around us. So how do we navigate a world like that? How do we live in this world? How can we live out our potential as we face all of these different things as we go through this life? Well, that's what we're dealing with. We learned that we all need to live up to our potential and we learned what our potential is measured by through learning last week the very first expectation and it's the most important expectation. It is the expectation upon which all the other expectations build upon and that expectation is this, that we are to be like Jesus. When we live and we are like Jesus, we have lived up to our potential. So no matter what's going on in our world, when we become like him, live like him, honor God the way Jesus honored God throughout his life, then we have lived up to our potential. So how do we do that? Well, that's the practical nature of this series of messages because there are a lot of other expectations that we can live up to that help us become like Jesus. And we're gonna talk about one of those today. It's the expectation of time. God expects us to put in the time that's necessary for us to be like Jesus, to live as Jesus lived, to live out our full potential. And we're going to learn that today by looking at something that the Apostle Paul wrote to a church in a place called Ephesus, and it's found in Ephesians chapter 5, and I want to begin reading in verse 8. This is what the Word of God says, For you were once darkness, but now... You are light and the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said... Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will, will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand that the Lord's, what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The key passage I want to focus on at the beginning is found in verses 15 and 16. It said this, be very careful then how you live. 
Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. When it's talking about the most of every opportunity, it's talking about time. It's talking about the fact that we have time and we are to do something with our time. We only have so many opportunities and it's important what we do with it. So on your outline sheet, number one, I wanna to talk to you first about this, that our opportunities are limited. We have limited opportunities and we need to be wise and make the most of our opportunities. Jesus himself knew the importance of time and what he did with his time. In fact, we read this in John chapter nine, where he said, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. What Jesus just said is there are only so many hours during the day that we have to work and we need to do our work during those hours of the day. And he also said this, there are only so many days that we have to live and we need to do our work while we live. He said this, as long as I am here, he basically is making this statement, as long as I am here, I am gonna be the light of the world. My days are numbered and I need to make the most of every opportunity. So what do we learn from all this? This is what we learn. Every day matters. Every day matters. I want you to say that with me. Every day matters. Y'all hear us talk about this all the time around here. Every day matters because today I am either gonna be better and become more like Jesus today or I'm gonna be worse and be less like Jesus today. Today matters. Not only becoming more like him, but doing the work of him who sent me. Because every day matters, every appointment matters. Write that down. My schedule matters. What I choose to do during my day matters. What I choose to do with people, the appointments that I make with people, whether it's to help or gain things from them, whatever it is, matters. The appointments I make for my, myself to either improve my life or to do the work that God has called me to do matters. So therefore, I need to make the most of those moments. What does that mean? It means every decision matters. Every decision I make every day matters. What I decide to do this day is either gonna lead me at the end of this day to be more like Jesus or to be less like Jesus. That's what this day is, is gonna look like. The expectation is that it would be important enough for me to do what I need to do to make sure that I am like Jesus that I communicate like Jesus, that I do what Jesus did so that God is pleased when he sees me. So the question is, what does my time say about me then? You see, we can tell a lot about who we are just by looking at our time. Look at number two on your outline sheet. It says this, what we do with our time says something about us. It does say something about us. It says something about who we are, what we believe in, what's important to us. We can put it this way. Go ahead and fill the next statement in. How we use our time reveals who or what we love. We just came off of a series not too long ago on relationships. And I talked about this a few times that there's a great definition of the word love and the definition is the word time. Because whatever we love, we spend our time doing. So, because this is true, if somebody looked at your schedule, if somebody looked at how you use your time, 
Who or what would they say you love the most just by looking at your time? Because it's true. Whatever we love becomes a motivating factor for us and it becomes something that, that moves us to make decisions about how we use the time that we have. Why is that? Because it's a priority on your outline sheet, fill it in. We use our time or how we use our time reveals our priorities. It reveals what is most important to me. Again, what I love is most important to me. So what is your priority? talked about this many times about, you know, just life in general. And it's important to remember this because God wants to be the center of every part of our life. And there are, there are five different areas of our life and we can spend time developing each of these areas of our lives. So if we think of it in that way, we need to see what area of our lives are we spending the most time developing? So what are they? The first part of our life is the physical part of our life. This is on your outline sheet. You don't have to fill anything out in. It's already there for you. Uh, in the physical, I spend time taking care of my body. So I'm making an appointment. I'm making sure that I'm out there exercising and doing what I can do to be physically fit or uh, eating correctly or whatever it may be because it's important to me. And I dedicate time to make sure that I'm in good physical condition. The emotional part of our life. I spend time improving how I feel about myself. In other words, I do things. I, I'll journal or I'll make sure I'm listening to music or I'll meet with a life coach or I'll meet with somebody else, a counselor, or somebody who's encouraging me. I'm doing things, spending my time to help me develop who I am emotionally so I can be stable. Here's another. It's the social part of our life. I spend my time with people. I love being around people. Therefore, I make sure I put people in my schedule and I hang out with people a lot because I'm social and that's an important aspect of my life. Here's the next part, it's the mental. I spend time learning. I want to gain knowledge in certain areas. It might be that uh, I have a job and I wanna be the best in my job. So I wanna learn how to do my job better. So I spend time in education or in learning and trying to gain knowledge in, in, in doing this, or it might be in some area of your life, but it's important for you to gain uh, this extra instruction. And then the final of these is the spiritual. I spend time learning more about God spend time growing in my relationship with God. In other words, the connection. And I spend time doing the work of God in the spiritual part of my life. So there are five different aspects of life, the physical, emotional, social, mental, and spiritual. So my question to you and to myself today is, which one of these areas do I spend the most time developing? Now, here's the, here's, here's the important part of this. All of these are important parts of life. Every one of them are important. I'm not saying you shouldn't do these, but if you had to look at the priority of which of these was most important in your life, which one of these things would you say is most, most important that you put it above everything else? Let me just give you the correct answer. Okay, I think you figured it out by now that it should be the spiritual, but it's so easy for us to have other things. People who are really into fitness and, you know, they're working out all the time. They're doing this, but they're doing it at the expense of spending time doing other things. You know, it's important. You can be really in great physical fitness and do all those things and still make time. I get that. But if you're putting something above God, then we have an issue. So it's a really good question. Of these things, which of these areas would you say is the priority of your life? 
Which is most important for you? Well, obviously, we want God to be the most important. So if we want him to be the most important, then we have to make changes if he's not. Next statement. Changing our priorities involves our determining how to use our time. So if I say I want God to be important to me, the only way he's going to be important to me is to choose to change how I spend my time. To choose to dedicate more time in order for me to learn more about God. Remember, this is the spiritual part of it. To learn more about God, to grow in my connection and my relationship with God, and to do the work of God. That's what I need to spend my time doing. So then the question becomes, am I willing to do it? Do I really want him to be my priority? If I am, if I want that, then I must be willing to do these very things. Here's the ultimate goal, basically, of what we need to use our time to lead us to become. It's number three on your outline sheet. We are to use our time to live as children of light. Now, where do we get that from? Immediately at the beginning of the passage that I read to you in Ephesians chapter five, verse eight said this, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. So this is how we're told to live. We're told to be light to other people. Why is that? We learned it last week. Remember, we're to be like Jesus. That is the expectation that's living up to our potential. All of these other things, if I live up to my time expectation, it's helping me to be like Jesus, okay? It's, it's really helping me do that. So how does this connect to Jesus? Remember last week, we learned who Jesus is. Jesus said this about himself in John chapter 8, verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the, what's the next word? I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We just learned that Jesus lived his life how he lived his life in this world. Remember, I just read the scripture to you in John chapter nine, verse four. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. Listen to the next verse. While I am in the world, I am the what? I am the light of the world. And now we're seeing in the scripture that we are to be people who are the children of light. Okay, so if I'm like Jesus... I'm spending my time, I'm doing what I'm doing in order for me to be light to the world. What is that about? What does that look like? Sometimes we can learn what we're to be by looking at the opposite of what we're not supposed to be. I shared this last week with you about darkness and the definition that darkness is the absence of light, right? So when, when there's darkness, there's wickedness and evil. So if I'm not showing light, this is who I am. I'm wicked and I'm evil. In other words, I am self-centered. It's all about me, not about others. I do things at the expense of others. It's concealment. Instead of reveal, revealing, I'm concealing. I'm concealing. What am I concealing? God wants you to know that you're loved. He wants you to know that. But I'm concealing that. By my behavior, you don't know that you're loved. 
You can't tell that you're loved by my behavior. I'm not revealing that to you through my behavior. I'm concealing it because of my selfish behavior. It's a lack of knowledge or enlightenment. In other words, we keep people from knowing what they need to know. We keep them in the dark about what life is to be about, about how we're supposed to live. In fact, that's the last part. It's a lack of sight and blindness. We keep people from seeing the direction and the way in which they're supposed to be living. Why? Because we're not showing them something that they need to see. You see, when you turn it on, the light turns on. What is the it that turns on? It's love. When love comes out, the light is on. Love and light are the same thing. Jesus is light. But we also know this, that God not only is him being the, the son of God, of, of light, God is love. And therefore, we are to be love, just as God is love and Jesus is love. What does it look like? One of my favorite passages talks about, Jesus, about God being love and God telling us what his love looks like. It's in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. Let me say it again. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that, he might, that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Let me read that verse again. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So love is making sacrifices for other people. Love is making sacrifices for sinful people. Love is making sacrifices for people who don't deserve the sacrifice. That's what God just said. That's what love is. It's love. Love is being willing to do that. In verse 11, it says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. In other words, people see God through us. Verse 16, and so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. God is love. Say that with me. God is love. I'm supposed to be love, right? Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. When I love, I help people see God. On your outline sheet, I want you to fill in that statement. I put a light on the existence of God. So when I, when I am making sacrifices for people who don't deserve it, when I am giving up things for the good of other people who don't deserve those good things, God's love turns on and people can see who God is through me because that's who God is. God is the one who loves people, not because of what they do, but because of who they are. That's who God is. So I help people see the existence of God, of a person, of someone who loves you, even though you're not lovable. Y'all, don't we all need that? Do I have a witness out there from anybody? We all need that. 
The light has been turned on to reveal him. Here's the other thing. I put a light on how God feels about us. I don't conceal, I reveal. In other words, when I show love to someone who's undeserving of that love, I help that person see you're a valuable person even though you do things that are not right. You are still cared for. Someone still cares for you. I still care for you. God still cares for you. We help them see that they have value in life. We help them see how God feels about them when we love those types of people. I'm supposed to spend my time doing that. So I'm supposed to spend my time helping people see the existing God. I need to spend my time through giving up for the good of other people. I need to spend my time to help people see that they are loved no matter what they do in their life. I'm supposed to spend my time doing that. The final thing is this. I put a light on how we are to live our lives. This is how life is supposed to be lived. We're all supposed to love each other even though we don't deserve it. We're also all supposed to give up for the good of others even though those people do bad things. That's how it is that we're supposed to spend our time. So I have to look at my life. I have to look at my opportunities. I have to look at my day and I have to ask a question. In this day, am I putting a light on the existence of God? In this day, Am I helping people? Am I putting a light on how God feels about them by showing love to people who are doing things that are very unloving? During this day, am I a person who's setting the right example about how it is that we're supposed to live to be people who are willing to do what we can for the betterment of people who need our help? Is that who I am? Because you see, that's who Jesus was. So when I say, I need to be like Jesus, that's what Jesus looks like. That's what Jesus did. When am I gonna do it? As I live through the use of my time. So are you doing those things? Well, if we're not doing these things, then we need to figure out a way to do these things. It's the fourth thing I wanna talk to you about. We're to use our time for self-improvement and other improvement. So I need to look at myself first and say, are there areas in my life that I need to get better? And what can I do to be better? In Ephesians 5 verse 13, it says, have nothing to do, excuse me, verse 11 says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Verse 13, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleep, or rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. I need to be able to see parts of my life that need to change. Let's write it down and put it this way. I need to work on what has been made visible. I need to see the areas of my life where I'm not living out love. How are things made visible? It's through comparison, right? This is how it works. So I look at Jesus's life and Jesus was an atoning sacrifice for my sins. He gave up his life for me so that I could be forgiven. That's the greatest form of love. Jesus made sacrifices for my benefits. That's who he was. I compare myself to him and see the difference. When I look and see who I should be, it becomes very visible who I really am. And that's what I need to work on. 
I need to work on that part of my life. These are the fruits of my life. It said in verse nine, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. So when I give off the fruit of light, I'm doing what is good. I'm doing what is right. I am, I am living the true life. And it's not a selfish life. It's not a self-centered life. It's a life that invests in the lives of others. What does that look like? Not only do we hear about fruits in this scripture, the fruit of light, but we know that God gives us his spirit to guide us and how it is that we live. It's one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible that helps us see how it is that we're supposed to live. It's found in Galatians chapter five, verses 22 and 23. It's many people refer to this as the fruit of the spirit scripture, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things. There is no law. I love this passage. The fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit of God leads us to do these things. The Spirit of God leads us to love. Why? Because God is love. It's the first thing that he says. So therefore, if I follow the Spirit of God, I am loving other people. If I follow the Spirit of God, I have joy in my life because I'm loving other people. If I follow the Spirit of God, I am working toward peace with others because I am showing God's love toward people who don't deserve this love, which brings peace. And then he starts listing all these other things. Forbearance. Forbearance means that I bear with the failures of other people. Y'all, this is so, I want you to think about forbearance in this way. When I forbear and bear with other people, I can, I unconditionally love them. If I don't have the gift of forbearance, if I don't, if I don't have the, the fruit of forbearance, I become irritated, I become, become, become agitated and angry toward other people. If I'm irritated and agitated toward other people, it is a sign that our love is conditional. Forbearance is unconditional. I bear with you even though you're making mistakes and doing things wrong. I get irritated and angry. I react in these ways because of your your behavior because my love isn't unconditional. My love's conditional. As long as you act the right way, I'll treat you in a good way. It's a big difference, isn't there? Kindness. I'm treating people the way I want to be treated. Goodness is doing good things so that they can become better. Faithfulness, I'm telling the truth and I'm living up to my commitments. If I say I'm going to do something, I do it. Gentleness, I, am, I treat people in a way in which they don't break. I am not hostile toward people. I am not aggressive toward people, either passive aggressively or outwardly aggressive. I'm not that way toward other people. Self-controlled. I don't allow your behavior to, to control how I feel about myself. And I don't allow the events that are happening in my life to control how I feel about myself. I'm not controlled by that. What controls me is the fact that I have a God who loves me no matter what, And my relationship with him is the motivation and the power behind my life. I'm not controlled by what you do to me or say to me. I'm not controlled by the events that may happen around me because none of those things change God's love for me. Do I have a witness out there from anyone? Amen? Those things don't change God's love for me. Therefore, I'm self-controlled. Well, this is really awesome. Jesus is all these things. And I look at this And it can make things very visible to me that I need to work on when I'm not living up to them. When I get irritated, 
oh, something just became visible to Tim because I am not like Jesus of that area of my life. If I'm not kind to someone, my words aren't encouraging and uplifting. Instead, they're very derogatory or hurtful to other people. If I'm not doing good for the benefit of others, in other words, I'm doing things to hurt people and make their lives worse. I mean, you can go through all of these things. It makes those areas of the life, my life visible that I need to work on. And you know what is required for for me to work on areas that are visible that I need to work on? You know what it is? Time. I have to commit the time to overcome the areas of weakness that I have in me. And if I really say I love God and I'm serious about him, I'll take the time to do it. Here's the other. It's not only dealing with my areas, it's dealing with other people. I need to serve to help others see what needs to be visible. When I become like Jesus, this is really sweet. We take our life and we compare ourselves to Jesus. All right, this is how Jesus lived. It makes visible areas of weakness in us. Okay, here's the thing. If I'm like Jesus, if I'm living up to my potential and becoming like Jesus and serving other people, even though they don't deserve it, that person begins comparing their life to me and my life is helping make things visible in their life that they need to work on because they realize the way they've been living isn't bringing them the love and the joy and the peace that we desire in life, that God has used me to do that. So is God able to use me to do that? Oh, it's just powerful stuff. Last thing I wanna share with you, and I've talked about this um, uh, recently. We wanna encourage everyone who's a part of the body of Christ to live up to our potential, to live it out. That's number five. I need to use my time to live it out. There are four things that we want to encourage every one of you to do related to your time to make sure that you're becoming like Christ. One of them you're doing today, it's already on your outline sheet, it's worship, to come together and to worship with other people corporately. God tells us not to, uh, to make sure that we assemble ourselves together, not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. In other words, God wants us to come together to worship him. First of all, because we're worshiping God together, but secondly, we're seeing other people who are just like us, who are in the same boat, who need God as much as we do. Worship is important. And we need to make sure we dedicate the time regularly to be involved in it. Second thing is this, is to be in a community, to be in a group, to be with other people who you can get to know, who can get to to know you, who can help hold you accountable to be the person that God wants you to be or that you can just be open and honest with to find encouragement from other people to help you in your life and this this Christian journey and, and Christian walk. Your life as a Christian was not meant to be lived alone. Did you hear what I just said? It's not meant to be lived alone. It's meant to be lived together with others around us. And you need to find a group of people or or people around you that can help you do this. Here's the third thing. It's to spend time with God daily. Remember in our spiritual part, the spiritual walk of life, you know, when we were saying which one of these things we spend time doing, we spend time getting to know who God is. We spend time building our relationship with God. And one way we do that is we spend intimate time with God one-on-one daily with him that we listen to him, that we talk to him in prayer, that we listen to him through Bible study as he speaks to us individually. Fourth thing is that we serve. 
that we would actually spend our time doing good for other people, making sacrifices, giving up our time, whatever, for the benefit of other people, whether they deserve it or not. It's to serve in order for them to see love. In other words, I serve, get this, to turn my light on. Y'all, this is huge. Your light can't be on unless you serve. God's love is investing and sacrificing and doing things for the good of other people. That's what his love is. If you're not doing anything, your light is not on. So we need to find opportunities and, way in which, and ways in which we serve. Y'all, we, we're trying to make this as easy as we possibly can here at Woodland. We've, we've added some things just practically for you to help you in this journey. In fact, on, on uh, the app, if you open up the app and you go to the church part of it, it's got all these tabs. One of those things is called Live It Out. And if you click it out and click on Live It Out, it takes you to all these things. It takes you, first of all, these are our worship experiences that you can get involved in. The next thing it talks about, these are all of the group opportunities that you, you, can, you have to get involved in to make connections with other people so that you can grow in your relationship with God together. The next thing it has on there are all these different options for you to spend time with God daily. You actually click on them and they're daily devotional tracks that you can follow to help you in your walk with God. And then it's got a place where it talks about service to give you different ways in which you can get engaged every day as an ambassador for God to serve no matter where it is that you are. Y'all, we're trying to make it as simple as we possibly can. What I'm saying to myself today is this. If I say that I love God and he's my priority, all those things need to be a part of my life. I need to worship God. I need people, whatever that context, we are talking about it in the form of a group, which is the way we do it here, but I need people of community who are helping to hold me accountable in my life. I need to be spending time with God daily. I need to be serving and doing these things myself. That's when I'm like Jesus. So are you like Jesus? It's practical, right? It's just so easy. It's not. It's not. You know where my struggle is? Right there. It's so easy for me to get distracted and to allow something to become more important during my day to spend time with God and find myself being inconsistent and not doing it every day. I have to constantly work on that in my life. I, I was reading an article, it was a business article. It was talking about the most important things that you can do. And they said this, to be successful in business, the most important thing that you can do is to clean your desk off every day when you get to work. Most important thing that you can do. I thought, you know, that's really a great suggestion. And then I thought, you know, to clean my desk, this is what I have to do. Because when I'm spending my time with God, I'm starting to see all the junk and clutter around my life that's keeping me from doing the work that God wants me to do. All of these are important, so will you do it? I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes right now as we go to God in prayer. What has God made visible to you today? It may be that you realize you need to bring change in some area where there's, your love is conditional, not unconditional, or you're not kind, or you're not, all these things. I'm not gonna go through them again. You already heard them. 
I believe the Holy Spirit's helped you see it. You've, you know what it is already. He's helped you see it. And I want to encourage you to pray about those things. In just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do it. It might be today that you're not a Christian, that you don't have a relationship with God. Let me tell you this, that God loves you no matter what you've done. When the Bible says that Jesus was the atoning sacrifice for our sins, he didn't specify which sins. It's all sins. You can't do a bad enough thing to get God to stop loving you. God loves you and wants a relationship with you and wants to forgive you. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Bible tells us this, if we confess him as Lord, that he will be our savior. We want to help you come to know him. At the end of our service, back in the back, to my right, to your left, there's a single door with a glass window. There's going to be somebody back there for you in just a few moments. We'd love to talk with you about that. You just, I, want to, I want to know how to become a Christian. We'd love to talk with you, share with you, pray with you to help you begin this connection with God. If you want to join our fellowship today as a ministry partner or be baptized or anything, it's a place you can go as well. But whatever God is leading you to do, do it today. If you're a Christian and something's been made visible to you today, I want to encourage you to pray about it right now as I pray. Father, thank you so much for teaching us. Thank you for this strong word, God, from, from the Apostle Paul, God, who wrote a, a letter to a church like us just reminding us that we need to make the most of every opportunity. And God, I pray that we would be the people who would do it. Pray that you would help us to work on the areas of our weaknesses and help us, God, to become strong so that, God, we may be a light of your love, serving others to help people see who it is that we're supposed to be. Thank you, God, for what you're going to do through our honoring you and dedicating time to be like you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Let's